Today, we are going to be talking about Atomic Blonde, the emoji movie, to the bone. And in our Tube Talk segment, we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones, Ozark Season 1, and Rick and Morty. So stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. And everybody with me today... Uh Uh-oh, you're already laughing. Yes. (laughs) It's not that that bad or anything. I have... uh, You know nothing, Joel Snow Cunningham. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It wasn't as bad as I was thinking. Yeah, it's all good. Who Who am I, Joel? You are Matt... Eh... Hey, <laughs> or sorry, meh. no, it's I'm sorry, Matt. Meh. Hey, it's meh. Meh. Yeah. Like the meh emoji. Yeah, exactly. I, gotcha. I was trying to figure out how to combine that into hey, but then it sounds like meh. Hey. Matt meh. Hey. Matt meh. Hey. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's nope. all good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hey, welcome, Thanks. welcome to the show, everybody. How are you doing today, Joel? I'm good. I'm tired. You're tired? I'm super duper tired. Yeah. Sleepy? Why? I, I've been up late night editing and working on a couple project stuff I showed you. Oh, that's right. That yeah. beautiful little intro animation that I created of the, the guy's name. It's crazy how <laughs> long you told me that it took. Three hours and it's like nothing. It's yeah, like it's, just it's, it's like nine it seconds. Yeah, it's <laughs> there you go. But anyways, guys, welcome to the Real Review Podcast where uh, where all all of your dreams come true. Um, <laughs> not, not, we need a disclaimer. <laughs> not all of your not guaranteed dreams, to have all your wildest not dreams come true. Yeah, disclaimer. But possibly, depending on what your dreams are, I guess. Yeah, if right? you like guys, two guys reviewing films and yes. television shows, then your wildest dreams will come true yes, in this podcast. <laughs> That's how that works. Yeah. But yeah, if you are new to this show and you want to know a little bit about how this works, the way the breakdown happens is you have Joel, mm-hmm. who's more of the the critical, analytical, yeah. more sometimes negative, nitpicky person, yeah. uh, critic that kind of attacks film reviews from that angle. Then you have myself, who is more of a fanboy, more overly like emotional, um, potentially emotionally unstable at yeah. times, yeah. Uh, but can overlook some of those things. But we, we do kind of get a little, we do dabble in both areas, yeah. I if guess. I, if I had to emoji us, yes, okay. I would be like the poop emoji. And you would be like the ballerina girl or like the salsa dancing girl. It's like, hello. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm all yeah. about that. I wish I, I wish I, <laughs> I wish I could have some chips and salsa. Yeah. I might be more like the devil ears. Emoji, Maybe. That's, yeah. yeah. I would feel like that might work too. Yeah. Maybe both. How about that? Yeah. Poopy devil. Yeah. That works. <laughs> I like it. So we kind of like to take both extremes and kind of have a nice little meeting point in the middle, which we call the real review, which gets, you know, both of those perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Joel, there are a number of different ways that they can get connected with us. How At least four that? Yeah. that I know of that do I can it. talk Break about. Break it down. Quick. There we go. So uh, the first and probably the easiest way to get connected with us is on our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Real Review Media. We're always posting a bunch of fun stuff up there. New episodes are going up, trailers, things like that. Um, definitely a great way to stay in communication and connect with us. We've also got the Twitters and the Instagrams, which are both at Real Review Media. Definitely love to connect with you on those. And then we have our website, which is realreviewmedia.com, where you can find out uh, more about the stuff we're posting. You can also sign up for our newsletter, which is really great. And then the fourth, I believe, if I counted correctly, this is actually number five. five. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. I know about all the Twitters. <laughs> I'm tired, Matt. My math is <laughs> off. Don't judge me. No. So the, uh, the other way that you can connect with us is to email us, which is uh, always great for us. We love hearing from our listeners. The email address is realreviewmedia at gmail.com. Yes. We'd love to hear from you on some different stuff. Absolutely. Yes. Making your wildest dreams come true. Let us know how we can make those wildest dreams come true. Absolutely. As long as it costs less than $2. Yeah. So email us. Let (laughs) us know what's up. Tell us about your day too. It's all good. I like like to read and and hear from you all. So so do that. But uh, yeah, so let's let's uh, let's kind of dive right into this thing too, okay. because yeah. uh, we we actually got a chance to spread out our efforts. We did, so we could cover more ground. We did. We watch, covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we covered more ground. So some we, of them heights, some of them lows, <laughs> some of them in the middles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I don't actually. I'm not feeling about how many, how much heights we have, but yeah. We'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off. I'm gonna read the synopsis because you got a chance to see this to see this movie, and I kind of wanted to see it too, just because kind of who's yeah 
you know, behind the camera, who's yep. in front of the camera. Directing um, wise. Yeah, exactly. So, and I'll break it down here and then I want to kind of, I want you to launch into this, but we're cool. going to start off with Atomic Blonde. So in Undercover, MI6 agent is sent to Berlin during the Cold War to investigate the murder of a fellow agent and recover a missing list of double agents. And it is uh, directed by David Leach, uh, one of two of the first John Wick film. Um also stars Charlize Theron, James McAvoy, Eddie Marzen, John Goodman, Toby Jones, uh, James Faulkner, and a number of other people as well. But um, Joel, you yes. saw this. I did see it. Yeah. So I guess break it, break it down. What are some of the some of the highs? Some of the highs. Some, some of the lows. lows. Yeah. So this is. Um, we talked about this in our coming soon, and mm-hmm. I, I think I approached this film um, somewhat excited okay. because. I'm a big fan of, you know, the John Wick style of cinematography and action, which we're seeing a lot of kind of like a, a, a huge surge and stuff, which is kind of like the character-driven action film, right. but more grounded yeah. in a way. We've gotten that with Jason Bourne. We've also gotten that, with, you know, with like Casino Royale and the new iteration of the James Bond where they're they're getting more real and visceral and they're trying to keep it more grounded. It's not like these crazy, ridiculous. You do still have that, obviously, yeah. you know, Fast and Furious and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Furious, I should just say. Um, <laughs> you still have your really ridiculous that's happening out there ridiculosity but yeah so I'm a fan of this style of action and I would say um, one of the quick and simple ways that I could definitely uh, break this film down for people is to say that it does have a really good and solid um, action feel to it okay um, the action and the stunts and the choreography for the fights and all the fights has a very visceral and strong and impactful uh, feel and there's okay. definitely a couple like one in particular fight that happens about three-fourths of the way through the film um, in a stairwell, and then it kind of moves to a hotel room, and then it goes to a street. That's like That was probably the best fight of the whole thing. Oh, cool. And it had a very intense, like, wow, like that it was like, you know, people are getting thrown and kicked and stabbed, and it's like you really feel... I think one of the other reasons why it was so effective with the action style of this is um, the cinematography style, not the whole look necessarily... But the way that they shot it, they I think we're doing this on purpose. They created a very um, – when you shoot something, you know, you can often put, like, the camera up high and shoot yeah. down. You can shoot up. You can do wides. They, they shot it at a very um, – like standard viewpoint ratio, which is like about fifty millimeter, kind of like uh, every person's perspective. Right. So when on you're the when you're standing on the street and you're looking forward, if you're not really focused on your perifs, then you can get like about fifty meters of fifty millimeters, not fifty meters, fifty <laughs> millimeters of perspective. And they shot a lot of this sort of in that fifty millimeter perspective. And then additionally, they shot a lot of it at eye level. Okay. And so the whole film, you really do get a sense of kind of being a part of the kind action, kind of in the mix, right? Like you're you're there and you're watching yeah. this take place. And I thought that was really effective done uh, during those fight scenes and had a lot of interest for me and it definitely kept me engaged and kind of like on the edge of my seat at times with like whoa what's going to happen here um, yeah that's cool so I thought that was really good I think um, the cinematography in general was very awesome and the style um, that they put in there it had a very kind of um, I don't know retro-ish type okay. kind of like a punk meets almost um, I don't know what you would call it like neon type punk Sort of thing, neon punk. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know. It's not. A, it's not a term, obviously. But I'm trying to. I'm inventing my own here, Matt. Go with me. Are you yeah. Punk. Are you talking about like? Are you getting into like musical genres? Yeah. Here? Well, it's got a punk feel because a lot of people are in like leather and dark and chains like, and you know you expect people to have like buzzed haircuts and you know strong looking like punk EDM. Yeah, punk. And then the EDM side of it is there's a lot of like really neon esque like lighting um, and kind of intense like beats like dut, dut, you know yeah. like kind of feel to like the the way that things are cut so it's almost like an edm music video style okay. with punk so it's got a cool feel okay. um it's not something i've seen a ton of um it, they're moving more and more towards kind of that 80s style feel that punk style feel with a lot of different things i mean we've seen that with the new thor ragnarok you know right has yeah total 80s vibe and we got that with guardians of the galaxy 2 and yeah. i like that I'm yeah a fan it of is it. very cool yeah right and so i like the cinematography and the style of it um and both of those things took me really far because, like I said, I'm a big fan of the character-driven action films. That's really what I was expecting when mm-hmm. I went into this. I wasn't expecting to get this huge, complex, deep narrative and right. story. And right. and so that's – with those expectations, I wasn't disappointed. Um, okay. So going into some of that – well, I, I'll say a couple other sort of decent things. Uh, James McAvoy, 
nailed it. Yeah. I okay. Mean, cool. He did a great acting job. Yeah, he's awesome. Everything I see him in, man, he's just he's, he's killing it. Yeah. Um, Charlize Theron did a good job. I mean, especially with the action, you can tell that she probably trained her buns off to get in shape and For to months be able and to. Months, probably, yeah, because yeah, I mean, she was just you know she was really taking a lot of hits, and there was definitely times you could tell, okay, that's probably a body double, right, and right, things right. like that, but. Uh, she still did a really good job, especially like when I was talking about like that hallway fight scene and stuff. And it, cool. it, it just, it felt very visceral. It felt very real. And it felt like she did a very good job there. Um, and for the most part, everybody else did a good job with the acting. There was nobody that stood out as like, oh my gosh, you're awful. I can't stand it. Um, no, nothing that would like take you out of the film in that regard. Um, so on that basis, I can go into talking about some of the, the not so good stuff. Um, okay. I did, I did give this a, a more or less positive rating. Okay. Um, I've adjusted it down afterward the sure. more I processed it because I I will also say that due to some of the bad stuff I'm going to get into here, it's not the kind of movie that I think is really going to stick with me. Okay. And I'm not going to like when it comes out on DVD or like when it's on television, I'm not going to be like, oh, I really need to watch that movie because it's got this and that and that. And I think one of the main aspects that I didn't um, enjoy and I think one of the big critiques that I'm seeing a lot of people say about it is – one of the things that was really great about like John Wick, you know, to go with that is you had a strong sense of his motivation. Yeah, puppy, man. Right. The puppy wife. and his, his wife and he <laughs> wanted to just live a normal life and then people deprived him of that. And so he's kind of on this like revenge, vengeance type thing. And yeah. that got more clouded and muddled in the second film, but that yeah. was still part of it, you know. With this film, there really is no sense of what even um, Charlize Theron's motivation is. Yeah. She's kind of just, she's this girl that this woman that works for this agency and she's trying to accomplish this task of getting this film back uh that got stolen that's like you know it's the stereotypical like yeah. espionage spy thing it's like they have this list of all the agents that are undercover and they the have to list of sorts. Yeah, yeah and so they have to recover it before it gets out otherwise all these agents lives and identities is in jeopardy and it was so it's like the very most obvious you know yeah that's like the stereotypical like if you're going to pick a stereotypical path it's you know, bad guy steals some bad thing that can kill lots of people or, you know, reveal the identities of this agency and they yeah. have to get it back and stop. Okay. And so that's kind of the main thing. And they did throw in a few twists and here and there. Like she's not really blonde? Yes. <laughs> no, but like, you know, was this person a double agent? What's their true motivation? And that didn't, it didn't get that deep. There was never okay. anything that happened that I was like, oh, wow. They do throw a bunch of stuff in at the end, which I'm not going to spoil, but there's like a part where I was like, okay, the movie's ending here. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of, really quickly at the very end ramps back up into like one final like action part and it was almost like they were like well we need a little bit more here because it's not quite a full story it's just kind of flat and then they like (laughs) I can almost even see them filming all of that in like like afterward like going back and doing reshoots and and adding that to the ending maybe (laughs) the the original ending didn't test well I haven't looked into that but um, they threw some stuff in there but her motivation was never clear you never really got a sense of why she was so aggressive why she was attacking these people why she was so upset you kind of get a little bit of it because of potentially a relationship that she had but that's like two quick brief moments she never talks about it she never acts on the basis of any of that she kind of just you see a photo she burns a photo and then at one point she sees another photo and she kind of has like a long glare at it, but it's not like, it's you not really You know what happened, clear. right? Right. You know what happened though, right? Is, is she had a puppy that died. Yeah. It's a puppy named, or a puppy that looked a lot like a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it died. And they give you like a brief little, <laughs> they, give, they give you like a brief little snippet of like what I'm, I'm assuming is she was like having a romantic relationship with this guy and you see them like rolling around the sheets or something like that. And it's kind of like dreamlike scenario and stuff. But again, you never really know how deep that relationship was. You sure. never know how significant that was to her. It could have just been a quick fling that lasted like a couple of days and she just felt sad that it, that it ended. Um, cause it starts with that guy dying spoilers, but that's like the very beginning. It's like literally yeah. the first five minutes. So I'm going to spoil that. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, and that kind of <laughs> sets an emotional lot of things cause he has the list and the list was supposed to go somewhere and it, so it gets lost and then she goes to investigate and it's taking place in, um, Germany right around the same time that they're trying to drop the wall. Okay. Uh, yeah. Berlin. So in Berlin yeah. and they're trying to drop the wall. And that was another thing that I didn't really get with it because they said at the very beginning, like, it, you know, in, uh, I forget the year, but it was like in 1980, blah, the Berlin Wall fell. And, uh, but this isn't a story about that. And I was like, well, then why'd you present it? And then by the end of the movie, though, it starts becoming about the fall of the Berlin Wall. And so it's like they set it up, but they didn't. Um, Is it a period piece? 
It's 1980s. Okay, so you know it is. I, mean? okay. yeah, it's, I, I guess it's, I didn't realize that. Right. It's also based on a graphic novel. I didn't okay. know that either. I've never I read it. I knew that part, but I didn't yeah. know. Okay. And I'm guessing that's where a lot of the stylistic choices yeah. came because they did this kind of like spray paint type yeah. graphic thing with a lot of stuff. That's where the more punkish type style came from, I think. Okay. Combined. But I haven't read the graphic novel. I don't know what that looks like or feels like. Gotcha. Um, so the motivation was a big issue for me, not knowing why. And it was, the, it was kind of that way with pretty much everybody, except for like one or two characters, right. you get a little bit of a, a window into maybe why they're doing, they're doing, but for the majority of the film, it's all just about the espionage and the action. Right. And you get okay. maybe a couple quick scenes of people being motivated. The French agent person, which I won't reveal who they are necessarily, but like they probably had the deepest sense of motivation to me and okay. the, pair, the person that I connected with, but they were such a side character that it like didn't even matter. Um, that person and also Eddie Marzen, who plays a character named Spyglass, who um, he had some pretty strong motivations there for like wanting to get out of Berlin and all this other stuff. Um, but he's also a super strong side character. Gotcha. So you never really get that. So that was disappointing me because that adds suspense. Oh yeah, That sure. makes you want to know, is this person going to be able to accomplish what they're being motivated towards and what they're pushing themselves towards. So that yeah. adds suspense. Additionally, the, one of the other elements that I really didn't like about this film is the way that they set up the entire thing. And again, this happens right at the very beginning. They started the film with you going with um, Lorraine into um, it's somewhere, wherever MI6 is headquarters at. I don't know, Buckingham Palace or wherever it's at in London. And she's going in there and then she's giving this like deposition about all the events that took place over the last week. Okay. Um, leading up to, you know, all this stuff. And so her being there. And that immediately as well took away from that sense of suspense because you know for a fact- She's going to get there. She's going to get there right. and everybody that's in the room is going to survive. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, well, if I don't, if I don't think that she there's realistic stakes here, like, yeah, she might get injured, but she's obviously, she has all her body parts. Yeah. She's alive, you know, that, that it's so it create and they kept jumping back and forth to that throughout the film. And it's okay. like every time they did that, it was immediately like, and I understand kind of why they did it because they used it as a means to create some internal tension between herself and the, like the, the bosses sure. that were in the room with her. But it's like, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't on board. I don't care. I don't watch James Bond because of the tension that he has with Q. You know Are you what I mean? sure? No, I mean, I okay. watched James Bond because of the, the suspense and the action and the attacks and the fighting. And sure. that's what I'm saying. Like, they could have gone much further with it. You know, they could have gone much deeper with it because they, they were they were on the cusp of creating a film where you're really connected with a character, but because you didn't have the motivation, because you constantly know, okay, well, she's not going to die throughout any of this, you're left feeling kind of disconnected from her right. and disconnected from the story. And then again, the story was very flat. It was like, you know, pretty much from the end of the beginning, from the beginning to the end, pretty much everything that's going to happen. Um, the only suspense that's really there is how are they going to film this shot and like what stylistic choice are they going to make with the music, which the music was pretty cool. It's yeah. very standard. It was just eighties, you know, famous eighties songs. Um, but it was so good. I like eighties music. So, so it was very flat in that regard. And then the only real like suspense is as well. How is she going to like kill this person? How is she right. going to off that person? Are they going to, she's going to shoot him in the head. She's going to crack their arm and throw him up a balcony. Like what's going to happen? So, yeah. okay. Yeah. I gotcha. What, um, uh, I mean, as far as the quality, I mean, you have David Leach, who, yeah. you know, did, was the co-director in the first John Wick. I mean, yeah. how is action comparable? Was it very similar? Was it not quite there? Or was it pretty, I'm pretty sorry, for which movie? John Wick. For and, John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. The action, just the action. I would say it was comparable. Had a lot of those long takes. Yeah. This one was a lot more hand to hand. Okay. Where, you know, where John, John Wick was like gun fu. Yeah. There was only really one extremely long take in this one. Okay. And that was the one that I was talking about that in the staircase about, yeah. scene. And that was a very good visceral effective scene. Cool. Uh, probably the best fight scene, one of the best fight scenes I've seen in a very long time. Sweet. Um, so, and I would say you have to, I also had, you have to suspend your disbelief again a little bit, like I said, because one or two of the elements of like these fights and how they're playing out, like even with John Wick, this they're trained military experts Right, but even still, I could not imagine somebody like John Wick existing in real life. You know what I mean? Right. Or someone like her, Lorraine. I could not ex imagine them existing in real life and doing the things that they. Although the fights are very visceral and real, I just don't think that these scenarios would play out the way that they play out in these movies. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I don't know. I, are you sure? I feel like John Wick would be real life. John the Wick Continental, was. Yeah, I feel like that exists. Well, I would say more so <laughs> potentially with John Wick. 
than with this one. Okay. Because there's just some like hand to hand fight stuff that happens that's just like completely like okay that took like precision pinpoint timing like there's a part where she like has like a rope thing and she like flicks the guy in the groin and he falls back and like hits his head on a chair and then the chair falls over and hits a guy in the face as he's coming to work. So it's like, she couldn't have planned that. It's like, uh, you know, like, trap, yeah, that's was, like yeah. impossible to, you have no idea what the guy's going to do. Yeah. He could fall forward, you know, in it, it. So there's just things like that, that happen in the script. And maybe if they kept it more with the gunfights, maybe if it was more about just like shooting each other than it would have. And there was definitely some fights in this that felt very yeah. real and very visceral. Um, like uh, that I could see happening, but, I gotcha. but yeah, others in particular that didn't feel quite as real to me. That's so cool, the action was good though. Yeah. I thought he did a great job with the action. I think the story was a weak point for yeah. sure. Um, I think that it it doesn't leave me concerned about things with Deadpool 2 if they've got a good writer right. that's going to be taking on the story and the humor. Yeah. He didn't really do anything that was funny too though. And one of the things that I love so much about Deadpool was that he had a great, they had a great comedic timing. I kind of feel like that's where Ryan Reynolds, because he was a big right. part of that production. It agreed, but you know, you have to have it in camera. Right. And you also have to edit that. Yeah. Because a lot of, t- a lot, there's a lot of like setup and payoff with jokes. It's like, you know, putting things in just such a way that they play right. Yeah. And it's very difficult to do. So again, he's going to have an editor. He's going to have a studio over his, you know, shoulder. Yeah. So maybe they'll be able to keep that kind of stuff there. I think the action will still be good. What are you, uh, what are you rating this thing at? So I'm putting this one, I was originally going to give it a B, but I'm, I'm moving it down to a B minus. Okay. Um, I'm putting it at an, uh, an 80. That kind of seems to fit what I'm thinking and from what yeah, you're telling me. So. If you want to go and just watch something well and the the other kind of sad thing is it didn't it, there was definitely some moments that dragged a little bit. Okay. There wasn't as much action and violence as you would think. As you would think. Most right. of the most of the fight scenes except again that stairwell scene lasts maybe like five minutes. Yeah. And then they're done. Gotcha. And they're they're very sparse. A lot of it is just like people coordinating with their with, what, yeah. who's who, who's on whose <laughs> side and what's going to happen with this person at different times so okay yeah so cool yeah definitely cool. check hey. it out if you want to see a decent action kind of romp that's cool i still kind of want to check it out so we'll see um yep. but yeah so that uh that wraps up our review of atomic blonde i kind of want to dive into this next movie yes this um, is one you saw that yes. i did not get a and this is actually available on netflix so if you if you have netflix um that's where you can check it out but it is called To the Bone. It is getting quite a bit of attention. So that's why I wanted to check it out. Yeah. Just came out recently over the last couple of weeks or so. Right. Because this is a, f- it's not a follow up, but it's like a spiritual successor in a sense of like uh, 13 Reasons Why. Netflix has been taking on these kind of more controversial. Oh, I can see. Okay. I see what you're saying. You I know, was like, what? Thir- okay. Yeah. Again, it's not a follow up, but it's yeah. like 13 Reasons Why dealt very strongly with a topic, which is teen suicide. It's right. not covered a lot. You know? So. The big thing with this, and, and it's it's heavy, uh, definitely heavy topic, but it's a young woman dealing with anorexia. She meets an unconventional doctor who challenger, uh, challenges her to face her condition and embrace life. Uh, written and directed by Marty Noxon. Uh, stars Lily Collins, Rebecca Noxon. Kennedy. Noxon. <laughs> Dana Wilson, Zaya Colon, Joanna Sanchez, and uh, Keanu Reeves, among others. Nailed it. Um, so... I got a chance to see this movie and let me just say right off the bat, this is, this is a heavy movie for sure. Okay. Um, it's, it's not a bad movie by any means, but it's just one of those heavy movies where you kind of don't feel like you want to rewatch it again. Gotcha. Um, but you do appreciate it for what it is. Right. Um, so I will say this is starting off on the, on the, on the high is definitely for it is brilliantly acted. Even, even Keanu in this kind of role, I felt like he did really well where he has this tendency not, not to be, he doesn't feel like a real person. He felt like a real person in this. Hmm. Um, and he's a doctor and he's just telling, you know, he's just telling these, these kids how life is and, you know, basically unconventional in his way of doing it. But um, Lily Collins, it's all from, from her perspective. She's the main person, uh, extremely anorexic. And they, they, they go above and beyond to, to show you just how dire and the perspectives of these people that live in this house together hmm. Um, that are all having different food disorders and, and all the different things they go through, their different mindsets and what they do, how like basically like they won't eat food and they'll find ways to like secretly exercise and like run, like go for a jog and stuff mm. like that. And it, it's really, on surface level, you might see it as being kind of silly, but 
it's it's not it's very real and i've known some people that have these types of things mm-hmm. and that's very real to it and so it's it's disturbing on that level in a real way yeah um did they treat it you said kind of silly it's I mean, not silly oh okay. i'm saying some people might see it as silly surface level it's not oh, okay. um just in case you haven't seen um or if you don't know anybody that's gone through something like that um but it it was really really well done acting is great very realistic cinematography fantastic very just um clean um and uh it just kind of helped portray into that like sense of realness yeah um the uh i would say the story was good um until the end (laughs) which i had some problems with yeah um but uh but other than that it it's kind of just a journey again for this girl to find hope and uh a willingness to live Hmm. um there's some like family dynamics, like some really some broken home da- dynamics that play into it. I wasn't sure, and this kind of maybe falls into the negatives a little bit. I wasn't sure if they were saying that because of the her family dynamic and situation, this is why she is the way she is. Hmm. But one thing they kept saying, it's not really just one reason. It's a number of different things. It's a culmination of different little things that we don't really can't quantify yeah. of why somebody would want to, you know, treat themselves this way and, you know, go through that or, or, or why they... Um, what's causing that mental breakdown? Yeah. Um, so that's that's it. I mean, as far as the good side of it, it's it, it's it's all really good things. My biggest problem was with the story and how they ended it. They essentially have the main character, uh, you know, re- it reaches she reaches kind of like the climax of her point. Um, I looked at my, <laughs> I looked at my clock on Netflix and there's like six minutes left in the movie. Oh, wow. And that's before credits roll. So there's like three minutes left in the movie. <laughs> so it kind of, it hits a high and then stops. Yeah. And it's very, that's very Asian. That's actually very Japanese. Is it? Okay. Yeah. They usually get to, cause like an American structure with film. Yeah. They'll have the, the climax and then resolution so where in like asian yeah. cinema usually is climax end and the climax <laughs> in, in this type of movie is just a dramatic point it's not like a big action scene or something yeah so um and it got a little bit like egg it wanted to be like existential transcendent a little bit weird yeah in the way that they were filming it in the way that they were trying to portray it in the story i don't want to spoil it but um i didn't I just, it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, why is that a important thing to this character? You yeah. Know? Um, I didn't care for that. And it, it just kind of made the ending feel like, well, why did I just spend all this time with right. these people? You invest a lot into it. Right. You would hope for at least a little bit of like an epilogue to kind of... Right, exactly. I want, I want to know what happens after all this, yeah. you know? Like, anyway. Could they do like a like a like a stop thing with a photo and like put text underneath of them. That'd be cool. I mean, something like that. There was this character. I'm not trying to make fun of the No, it's okay. There was this, there was (laughs) this character. But just something that gives you a story, you know? Uh, There's this character named Luke in the, in the movie. Yeah. It is played by, played by Alex Sharp and, at first, at first, he started off so annoying. Mm. I was like, right in the first like two sentences, I was like, this guy is going to be old real fast. <laughs> he ended up being one of the characters I liked the most. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and like, like I don't know, they just did it in a really, uh, really cool way. He's a he's a dancer that has eating disorders who's staying at this house that all these people are staying at, and um, he hurt his knee and he's trying to recover and he's actually kind of being a cheerleader for all the other people in this house. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of, it's kind of endearing in that kind of way. And, mm. um, again, his like arc didn't really, I felt like his arc kind of like peaked and then it just stopped. Nothing yeah. happened with it. Yeah. And the, I think it's mainly because the very late like climax for the main character. Gotcha. Um, so I don't know. Uh, w- with the ending, I was kind of like, ah, oh, really? But I-, I really appreciate the storytelling that went above it. And I really, really hope that, and I, I want to talk to some people that maybe have gone through some eating disorders um, and kind of what their thoughts were. I want to maybe I'll research and see what this experience is like and how it is potentially reigns true to them and what their experience have gone through to see if there's yeah. any, well, one truth to how they feel about it. And if it's helpful, mm-hmm. you know, do you think this film would be helpful not trying to interrupt, but no, do you fine. think this film would be helpful for people that maybe are struggling? That's what I want to know. And I'm not entirely sure. I feel like it's potentially hmm. helpful yeah. until the end. 
that like weird transcendent thing. Like it's not like a. <laughs> It's, it's like, like I want to know what it is. Weird result. You yeah. have to tell me after the podcast. Yeah, I'll tell you later. Yeah. But if I get a chance to watch it, too. I don't know. That's a part that kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, I don't get that. But um, but whatever. So as a whole, I, I mean, I liked it. And again, it's deep. It's heavy. That's probably why I won't watch it again. And that's kind of one yeah. of those things too, where you'll see a lot of movies, especially around Oscar time, that are. Yeah. That are like they win a bunch of awards and they're really really good films, but you, you don't <laughs> want to just see like, them again. Yeah, yeah, you don't ever want to watch yeah, them. Yeah, great again. example from last year, Monster Calls. Right, it's like great movie, loved right. it, one of the best of the year. Yeah, never want to see it again. <laughs> Another one was was you know. Prisoners. I just felt oh, yeah. so uh, terrible prisoners. after that. It was so fantastic, but I I don't ever want to watch it again. Yeah, um, even though it was good, maybe I don't know, I'd have to be in a real weird mood to sit down and watch something like that. Or There's definitely Calls movies again. like that, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, um, as a whole, if I had to rate it. Um, I'd probably give it a, I give it an 82. Okay. So it's still kind of in that B minus range, but it's, it's not, it's not bad by any means. It's better, a little better than mediocre. Um, yeah. and I just wish it would have ended differently because yeah. I don't know how much that affects the entire story. You don't think they left it open for a sequel? No, I don't no. think so. I don't know how it resolves. So I, don't I don't think know. so. Okay. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, but I, <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it looked like they were trying to resolve it in just kind of a different way, an abstract way, potentially. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that's kind of what I would give it at. Um, eighty-two. Awesome. Um, yeah. Any other questions on that? No, I think that's okay. it. I'm. I will see about maybe giving it a chance. To, I'm probably gonna wait and hear what you actually say. The ending is. I do really like. And Keanu then actually Reeves. decide on that. Keanu Reeves is great in that movie. Yeah. I, I like him. He's different, and he's and he's still got his John Wick haircut. Nice. So. That wraps it up for To the maybe, Bone. Maybe he's doing this as a side job. Maybe it's a prequel. It's a prequel. Before to, he became a hitman. Yeah, how he met his wife. Yeah. And yeah. Before the cancer. Yeah, <laughs> Before okay. Before the cancer. So <laughs> the, not, at um, not at all. This next movie is a real gem. And uh, Joel, you got a chance to see this movie, really <laughs> invest some quality time in this movie. We have deferring perspectives on the concept of gem. <laughs> I mean, gem of the gem crud. emoji. If, if gems were made out of all bad things, then yes. So, so tell us, Joel, about the emoji movie. Yeah, so we're not going to spend a huge amount of no, time on not, this one. It's not worth our time. It's not worth our time. Um, I really went to see this one just because it's getting a lot of just flack right now, and I wanted to kind of see what all the bad stuff was about. If it's just, if it lives up to the notoriety in a sense <laughs> okay. that it has been receiving um, just to kind of give the synopsis because we do this every time yeah. uh, this film is um, Gene a multi-expressional emoji Meh. sets out on a journey to become a normal emoji <laughs> uh, it is directed by Tony uh, Le- Leondis Leondis I don't know sure. I don't know I don't sure. know. Doesn't well matter. Done. Yep. TJ Miller, James Corden, Anna Ferris are the big name uh, voices. You've also got Maya Rudolph, who plays Smiler, uh, Stephen Wright, who plays Mel Meh, and uh, Jennifer Coolidge, who plays Mary Meh, who are kind of like those. Uh, those are like the. And well, the big thing that like everybody keeps saying, and this is like why half of the people that literally went to go see that see this stupid film is uh, Patrick Stewart plays the poop emoji. Yeah. <laughs> and so everybody's like, Sir Patrick Stewart playing a poop emoji. Oh I have to gosh. go see it. And the sad thing was, is he only met, he probably had like six lines. He's really not significant. And all the lines were like the worst, worst puns. They yeah. were like, Oh, I feel like poopy. Yeah. And he's a poop emoji. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's so like somebody wrote this movie in two minutes. They're yeah. like, I got an idea. Let me just write this. Well, record. that is so the good right okay the good the emotion the animation is decent i mean the, yeah. the the animation is decent and i will say this the voice acting is fine i it doesn't feel like anybody did a bad job with their voice acting it doesn't feel like anybody literally just phoned it in so it was like directed well with the voice acting style um and the animation was good yeah. but that gets you to like it, that gets you just to we made a film yeah. level in my opinion with an animated film like you have to have good animation you have to have you know at least decent animation right. you have to have good voice acting otherwise it's going to stink yeah. you know and just be awful it's going to be a poop emoji <laughs> so this film fell apart in pretty much every other level on a storytelling level yeah it just makes no sense at all the 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 process that the characters go through like the the story arc of where they're trying to go is the most flat, overly simplistic, but at the same time, overly complicated mess that I've ever seen. <laughs> like literally his whole his whole story arc is that people don't like him because he's an emoji that does multiple expressions. 
and everybody has their one expression that they can do. And it's not even an expression. It's supposed to be like an emotion. Yeah. But you know that's not true because people, it literally is just like their faces have to stay looking a certain way and they have to have a certain inflection in their voice. Right. They can have different emotions though. But they say it's only supposed to be one because you know yeah. like these characters aren't having just that emotion. That So yeah. So that immediately gets thrown out of the window. Right. The, the whole like story arc is literally just he needs to accept himself. Yeah as this guy that does it and then through accepting himself somehow other people will just learn to accept him because reasons because okay. they need, they need reasons, to accept him yeah I love yeah. that and you can tell like at the get go this is entirely made I believe probably 99% of the funding is from products placement ah I mean they there's like literally a sh- like a five minute scene of them watching YouTube videos in the movie and it says YouTube they go in, so the whole idea, the premise is that this little kid, uh, not little kid, but this middle school kid has a phone yeah. and everybody's phone has these emojis on it yeah, and there's yeah, like yeah. an emoji town where all the emojis live and he lives in this kid's phone and they get like called up for service, you know, if the kid wants to send a text message to somebody. And so the little kid's like interested in this girl. And he's really nervous about sending her something and respond because she sends him a message. Sure. Which immediately is like, well, you already have her phone number. So you're like halfway to talking to her. Like right. you can probably just text her or just approach her at that point. You've already got her number. <laughs> um, so he has a phone. And then, so the emojis have to like do these certain faces, um, which is just ridiculous because it's just, it doesn't work that way. And so this one, it's the meh character's first opportunity to like be called up into action. He's like begging for the opportunity and he screws it up. Because he gets all emotional, he doesn't oh, no. know what to do, and so then the kid wants to like basically, you know, reset his phone, and so the whole time it's like this race against getting the race to getting things fixed before he resets his phone, and then the main main emoji girl, uh, the Maya Rudolph character, Smiler, she wants to more or less delete um, and fix um, him, meh guy, because he he's causing issues with the phone. And if he screws okay. things up, then it's going to cause them all to be destroyed. And so it's the, him running from these guys that want to delete them and then also trying to find this hacker spot. It got, that's what I'm saying. That's weird. It got way too intense and deep and un, unnecessarily yeah. and it didn't need to be. And then, so like, yeah, so he's trying to find this hacker emoji that just happens to exist that's trying to do her own things. And so he leaves to go find her with um, the high five guy. And the it's so they go and they're going through like all they leave the they leave the message app and it's literally just like an invisible wall more or less it's like a a barrier and you can just walk through it and so they walk into it and then all the other apps are there and so you you have like Dropbox is they literally like we have to get to Dropbox that's their big their big motivation is like we have to get to Dropbox so we can get to the cloud it's like sponsored by Dropbox they should have put that up (laughs) on the bottom so you have. They have like a scene where because they, they're running from the like the deleters, yeah. and they literally could like it's like ten feet away, but instead of like just walking there, they decide that it's like safer to go inside of all the other apps to like hide inside of them, which makes no sense at all because you can literally like see the other app. They could just run for it. That's weird. And so like they needed time to fill. For yeah, story so they like they go into the just dance app, they go into the YouTube app, they go into the Instagram app, they go so they go into all these apps, and you're like you're just thinking, okay, there's cha-ching, cha-ching is like spot. Yeah product sponsor product sponsor and it just becomes super stupid because it's like overly complicated and the jokes are not funny i think i yeah. giggled once yeah at one joke and it's it was an audience full of kids i you know am surprised at how much money this made opening weekend 25 million dollars and it's pretty ridiculous for an animated <sighs> movie that's not like heavily marketed, like I. I saw it everywhere, man. Really? Yeah, I, I, I think the big thing with this is that there's really nothing else out there right now for kids to watch. True. It's either that it's, or Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk. This <laughs> kind of Spider-Man. Yeah, but Spider-Man's been out long enough now that yeah. that's probably already been seen. Uh, you're not going to kids see Atomic Blonde. Yeah. So I feel like it's really just why they found like the sweet spot for this movie to come out. Uh, you know? Guess what it's at at Rotten Tomatoes. I believe last time I checked it was at 7%? 6%. 6%. There it is. It's yeah. one of the lowest ones of the year. Yeah. So I will say this and then we can stop talking about it and we move on to Tomb Talk and stuff because I feel like I've already given this movie <laughs> too much time. Um, it started off... Interestingly, okay. It I really felt like okay. Well, you're trying here. You're doing some stuff. You're trying to make things interesting, 
and like the first five minutes and then it, it started off like Lego movie. Yeah. Like it's introducing you the world and this character and he's doing things and he's interacting with people. It's like he's going down the corner and he's got this person he knows and that person he knows. But it was like the dumbed down version yeah. that was like written by like a person that didn't know how to be funny. Right. And it felt like all of the content that was in there was like, well, we need a joke here. Boom. So we put a joke. Okay. Oh, well, we need a plot development. So boom, we put a plot development. It was like you knew where everything was going. Yeah. You knew every joke before it was going to happen. And it, even still, it was less funny than the jokes that I was thinking of that they could have made yeah. that would have been more funny. <laughs> um, so I give this film, rating-wise. Give it. I give it a solid F. Percentage. Give it a give it a percentage F. Uh, I'm giving it. I can't. Oh, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, there we go. The poop <laughs> emoji. I'm giving it a poop emoji percentage. Can okay. That it's a forty-five percent. Really? Okay. Yeah. Forty-five percent. Because, like I said, they got there's something good animation. Sure. Nothing looked bad. Nothing looked stupid animation-wise. I mean, there was. It was Other stupid. Than the the whole idea movie. of it, yeah, it was stupid. <laughs> um, the voice acting was fine. Yeah, it literally just came down to it not being funny at all, and the plot being one of the dumbest, most contrived, over-the-top product placement type extravaganzas I've ever seen. Gotcha. You know, so I'm not surprised it's doing as well as it is in a sense that it's making money. All I don't right. think there's a lot out there competing with it, and I think people are just literally going to go see this because nothing of else. Emojis. Yeah, emojis. Well, they, it's an emoji. Yeah. It could be all right. It's relevant to everybody's everyday life. Yes. Um, cool. Well, that's going to wrap up our movie review segment. And uh, so y'all stick with us. We're going to jump into our uh, tube talk segment here momentarily. And uh, we'll be back. Welcome back, and this is our Tube Talk segment, and uh, we're going to actually review some uh, television that we've actually had a chance to yep. go over, review, watch, watch, see, listen, see, hear, listen with our ears, and feel with our minds. With our minds. Yes, yes. absolutely. Because who feels a show? With our minds, I do. With your hands. My heart. With your heart. Yes. Well, that's the best I place to feel I feel the it. show with my heart. <laughs> and um, yeah, so... We uh, we've been pretty steady on Game of Thrones and kind of recapping those as those yes. are coming out. Um, you've been doing a wonderful job at that, Joel. Thank you. You very are slowly much. catching up, though. I am slowly catching up in kind of like a different kind of way. Yes. I'm more. I'm more just learning about the mythology and reading about everything. <laughs> you're like, I'm going and reading all the disconnected story elements, and right. I'm going to come back with like a. You're going to come back with like a wellspring of knowledge, right? And I'll know what the story's about. I'll tell you all about the tree people, so you can fill in the little details, right? Yeah. The have tree, you read the books? The tree children. No, I, I, I have no so. idea about that stuff. Okay, the books are good. I, yeah. I mean, obviously, they made te- television shows out of them. What but. started off as a simple episode synopsis has me in a downward spiral of <laughs> like all this weird. That's kind of your mythology. thing, though, because you love to get into the mythos yeah. and the, the universe of everything. So that actually makes a lot Absolutely. of sense. Absolutely. Which I do for some things. I don't get too, but like I read all the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, but yeah. I didn't read, like, I started reading The Silmarillion. Which is like the expanded stories of the creation of you know Middle Earth oh, and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I got kind of bored. Which okay. is probably people are like, "How dare you!" But uh, I'm more like I like <laughs> to connect. Well, I like to connect with people and yeah. stories. And if it's just talking about Stuff. facts in history, then it eventually it just gets to the point where I feel like I'm just reading a history book, and I'm kind of like, "Okay, this is a little boring." Yeah, for my face. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel it, Matt. I didn't feel it in my heart. I like to feel it in my heart. Yes. So I like to get in deep in the mythology. But um, yes. well, speaking of that, speaking of the Game of Thrones of the Gots, let's talk about that because we had episode three of season seven happen yes. yesterday. I got to watch some Got. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I actually really like this episode. All right, um, I've been having a rough time with this season a little bit just because I was expecting, I think things to hit the ground a little faster and kind of like run with it and really get into the action and the suspense and the drama. Because they've only got this half season-ish, right, seven yeah. episodes, and then they've got another half season to go. And so I felt like the first two season episodes were good, but this one was definitely an improvement for me. There was a lot of really big things that we've been kind of building through through the whole course of the show, which we kind of finally, in yeah. a way, got to see happen. Maybe not even in the course of the show, but at least over the last couple seasons. I mean, one of the biggest ones, which was a huge part of this episode, uh, was the meetup that happens between John and Daenerys. You know, it's the fire and the ice. And we've gotten like a confirmation at yeah. this point based upon what Melisandre said that she has brought together the fire and ice. So they they are like the song of fire and ice. That's what I'm assuming they were going for. Right. Um, they are the fire and the ice. And so 
interesting and very good, I felt like, interaction. I felt like John was like the perfect ice to her fire because Daenerys has been getting pretty on her high, big on her high horse. Okay. And like, you know, why are people need to treat me this way and treat me that way? And it felt like John came in and was kind of like, no, I'm going to do what I need to do and I respect you, but like, I'm not going to bend the knee just to bend the knee. So I also think that if they're sending like sort of a romance up okay. between them, then that was important to do. So, well, um, here, here's the thing though, right? And this is, this is going to be my mythology research talking here. Yeah. Um, aren't they like half brother? Yeah. Half so sister? according to the show they're he's her nephew, I believe he's her. Yeah. No, don't they have the same dad? No, I don't believe they have the same dad. I believe that her, her father's brother slept with, um, Jon Snow's sister. Oh, so I'm okay. I thought they, sure. I thought, um, the mad King Daenerys is no, it wasn't the mad King. Oh, that's Daenerys' dad though. right? Yeah. The mad King is Daenerys' dad. Okay. So Daenerys, so. mad Kings. Wait, no. Okay. I think it's the mad King's son. So her brother slept with, <laughs> told you, slept Lyanna. with Lyanna. Lyanna Stark. Okay. Yes. And the, had the kid. And Lyanna oh. was supposed to be with Rob Stark. Okay. So I was way off of that. I right. And so happy. that's why Rob, or not Rob, sorry, Robert Baratheon. Robert Baratheon. Right. That's why Robert Baratheon was so, it was, he had to be so careful about not talking about that with Robert Baratheon. Okay. Because that was his sister. Gotcha. And yeah, so John would probably be killed immediately if, if Robert Baratheon found out about that. Plus, it also makes him a potential heir to the throne as one of the direct... I mean, yeah. Daenerys is definitely the this, this straight-up lineage, but yeah. he's kind of like a side lineage. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's supposed to be a romance there, but it definitely could because, I mean, the Targaryens kind of always yeah. sleep with each other. You know, brothers and sisters, totally cool. I'm guessing nephews, probably totally cool, it's too. It's a weird universe, this, yeah. this Game and, of Thrones I mean, if Westeros. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what they do with it. I mean, we'll see where they go with it. But it, I thought it was a really good interaction between the two of them. I thought they both possessed a really good, solid, strong uh, position for where they were at. It felt like the interaction was real. Yeah. And it felt like John was being presented it out of a need to be there and now based upon a lot of the events that happened you know with Euron Greyjoy and the destruction of most of the um, the other Greyjoy forces yeah. and then also taking uh, the sand the sand girl I can't I always forget that lady's name the sand girl not the sand girl the sand snakes uh, are you talking about the Martells Ilaria Ila- Ilaria are the Martells is that you're talking about I'm talking about yes, the Martells, the Dornish people. The, yeah, Martells. Yes. So it was Oberyn's. Um, yes, Ilaria. Yeah. I believe it's Ilaria. Okay. Um. So he, they, you know, he took them captive, and he kind of destroyed all their forces, and so they've been knocked down a peg. And then in this this episode, one of the another one of the biggest thing, uh, was the the Queen of Thorns has kicked the bucket. She's okay. Yeah. Officially, she's gone now. Um. And that happened in a very effective way. The the twist of the episode was. Um, so I'm sorry if you're, we do spoilers. We do spoilers on the show, guys, if you're new. <laughs> yeah. So skip ahead if you don't hear some Game of Thrones spoilers. I apologize in advance. But so the the big twist was that she was the one that poisoned, um, uh, what's his face? Joffrey. Joffrey. Yes. I can't, th- names, Wait, man. Wait, you're tired. talking about Marjorie's mom or yes. grandma? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so gotcha. she poisoned, which is not a big reveal for me because if you've read the books, I actually thought books. that was made clear. Maybe I was just... It's not really made clear in the show, okay. but in the books, it's definitely made 100% clear mm, that she's the one behind okay. it. And so that was like the big reveal for Jamie and because he's trying to like kind of be nice to her in a way. Yeah. And then she reveals it like, hey, I was the one that killed Joffrey and then go tell Cersei. So it's kind of like her last little stab. Her yeah. Last little thorn. There you go. <laughs> um, so that was actually kind of sad though because she's a great character and it's so sad to see she's her. She's fiery. Go. Yeah. And there was a really cool, because I think last episode they set up that you know, Daenerys maybe wasn't as powerful, you know, because she's kind of, she's been up there. She's had the dragon. She's had the Unsullied. She's she's pretty much had all this stuff going on where she's like going to just conquer Cersei. And then they've now taken advantage of a couple different situations because Tyrion also sent um, the Unsullied over to uh, Castle Rock oh, to okay. take that. And that was a setup, though, because they knew that was going to happen. So they sent the majority of their forces um, to go take out the Queen of Thorns, um, the Tyrells. Yeah. And so doing, in so doing, they pretty much gave up Castle Rock, but they took everything they needed from it, and they they got a big victory by taking out you know the Queen of Thorns. Right. And so they're slowly getting more and more military victories here. They've got like two under their belt. Um, the first one huge, where you know they take a bunch of people captive, captive, pretty much destroy all the ships, 
Um, so it's 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 leveling out the forces and it's creating a much more interesting narrative where they're kind of going to have to battle each other because Daenerys is running out of allies and right. they're all either dying or getting captured. And so pretty much John is set up now as like her only ally. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that moves forward. Um, um, I thought that it was really cool that they've, uh, they brought Bronn back and he finally met up with Sansa, which was really sweet and nice because they- Bran. Bran, sorry, but okay. he's been gone for so long, yeah. you know, and he acts like a completely different, he kind of acts weird, very odd fellow. Well, he's the and raven he, dude. He does so the most, yeah, the three-eyed raven. He does the most roundabout discussion of being the three-eyed raven that I feel like he could have literally just said like, because she's like, well, what do you mean you're the three? And he's like, I just am, like, I am. And I, <laughs> I learned from the, the other three. He talks about it the most like, unclear way i'm like you could literally just go okay so i was seeing these visions i went up north i met with this guy in a tree he gave me this ability to like jump into animals and people and see everything from all time and that means that i'm the three-eyed raven he could literally just do that and instead he's like oh i saw you on your wedding day it was snowing and you had a beautiful dress and makes it like super weird and awkward i was like why would you do that just like that was a terrible time for her her and her right so my assumption is he's probably going to be the one that lets it slip that john is actually uh related and yeah that he's a targaryen unless sam somehow manages to find that in the histories of all the scrolls and everything that's kind of i don't know if that would be documented but somewhere out there um so Sam had a pretty cool thing because he finished fixing the grayscale stuff. And there's people talking about how potentially the grayscale and the White Walkers are going to have like a mixed kind of purpose in a sense because mm. they're both of a curse a of sorts. Curse of sorts because the the grayscale is a curse to the Valerians for their warmongering, I believe. And you know the White Walkers are cursed from the Green people that were up north. Yeah, <laughs> I forget their name exactly. They're, right they're like the children, yeah, the children of the, of the trees, trees or, or whatever. So yeah. like they're cursed from there. So maybe there's like a relationship of like the gods of the two curses against like the different different gods or something like that. Mm. So there might be a blend and a hybrid, a mixture there of some sorts, or one could offset the other. So that was pretty interesting. Um, I thought that the it was it was sweet in a way to see Tyrion and John coming back together again because again that's something we you saw the relationship sort of start in the very first season, and it started off rocky, but then it got really nice because they both kind of have similar um, upbringing in a yeah. sense. They both despised and heated and. They're really nice to each other, and then they had sort of a nice back and forth a little bit. Oh, um, cool. I so like I thought that Tyrion, I, I'm, uh, he's the one character I'm been a little bit sad about. Yeah, he's been such an amazing character, and he's had such good one-liners and quick rapport, and he's felt very like demure and like softened in okay. this season so far. And I want to see like, I want to see Tyrion. You know what yeah. I mean? I want to see like the quick-witted, you know, spicy kind of silly at times but always like very intelligent guy where he's kind of taking this much bigger like backseat to just yeah. kind of what's going on around him and so i'm hoping he kind of i don't know he comes out a little bit more in, in into his own so um he did have some jokes and stuff and so it was cool seeing sansa as well she's doing really well up in the north and kind of directing people and getting everything done and i think that's really good because she didn't have any military experience or like leadership really right. experience and so it's been good to see her kind of like stretching you know her wings a little bit and taking on some some pressure and stress there to be successful at it so overall it was a really good episode cool. i mean it had a good mixture between um some deep things and bad things around. oh and i will say this the the sand snake the revenge that cersei gets on the sand snakes in this episode where she poisons her daughter yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like Ah, oh, that was it was satisfying. That was satisfying and dark. Okay. I mean, in a way, I I don't I didn't dislike the Sand Snakes, um, but I also felt like a lot of their characters, like everybody down there, pretty much is cocky and like like all of them act like they're the best thing ever. And it in a way, it's always in a way slightly satisfying when you see a character, even if they're kind of like supposed to be a good character, right? Kind of get theirs, but it was really dark. I mean, okay. I felt really <laughs> bad for. Her. I don't okay. think she deserved. Uh, to have things go as dark as they did, although they were acting really egotistical and prideful. So it's kind of like, I don't know, but Cersei played that that perfectly. Um, I'm I'm liking the the way that they're just progressing everything and moving forward. And it's like big things are happening. Alliances are changing. People are getting killed. Kidnaps are happening. And I'm just excited to see kind of where it goes now because they're, I'm like, I'm wondering how much longer they can go until they have a big fight. Right, you know, the, the actual some, battle for the seven. Kingdoms. Right, we've had a couple small ones here and there, but like, when are they going to have it, and are they going to do it? You know, a friend of mine, like I was talking about the episode earlier today, and he asked me, he's like, when do you think they're going to do the White Walker, White Walkers battle versus the battle for the throne? And it's like, I don't even know when that, because I'm interested in both, and it's like, 
I don't know if they can effectively do both at the same time because I feel like Jon Snow has importance to the throne, but he also has importance to the White Walkers, and I feel like you need the dragons and the dragon glass. And uh, so I don't know. I don't really know how I'd want to see that play. I don't out. know. I felt like they effectively, at least from what I read, they effectively um, set up the battle between um, Ramsay and Snow. Yeah, uh, pretty well within just one episode. Yeah, agree. Um, and so I mean, if they could do something like that with that kind of quality. You know, yeah. I mean, Cersei and Daenerys are gonna have to face off. Yeah, like they're gonna have to face off against each other. I'm just wondering which and what what context that takes play right. in place in. If that's gonna be the final, like big battle. Yeah, you know, or if they're gonna go with the White Walkers, right. or if it's gonna be both are happening at the same time. I kind of almost want it to be both at the same time. Yeah, but it's just like I don't know how that's gonna happen because there are two polar extremes. Yeah, of where they're happening on the continent. Yeah. And I could also kind of see them setting up Sansa as being the one that like leads the battle against the White Walkers and Jon is more involved with what's happening with Cersei. Yeah. But I don't know. Okay. I really don't know right That's now. That's cool. So. Read the episode. So I give this one an A minus. All right. Give it a 91%. Cool. Or a 9.1. 9.1. Out of 10. There you awesome go. Yes, that's how we do our that's how we do our film our television. I like it. Yep. I do I like it. Um next you actually introduce this next show uh, last week, yep. you watched your first episode, but you actually finished a whole season. Correct. And that's Ozark, right? right? So I just want to give final thoughts on it um, because I feel like yeah. it's worthwhile to revisit it. Cool. Um, so yeah, Ozark. Yeah. It's a good show. I So overall, my my final thoughts are it was definitely worthwhile to watch. Cool. Um, it's a very suspenseful ride. There's definitely a lot of moments where you're left feeling just, just like, what the crud's about to happen here? Yeah. I think the, the one of the biggest highlights of it is that you are, they do a really effective job at constantly just, you'll have a moment where everything seems like it's kind of normal mm-hmm. and then something crazy happens. Okay. And that keeps you on the edge of your seat and that keeps you engaged. There was definitely moments, this goes towards more of the negative where it gets a little boring okay. and a little stale and you're kind of like just waiting for the next thing, thing. to drop, yeah. the next big thing to happen. So that it, I, I think that's kind of the main issue of it. There's kind of lulls. And I think a lot of the lulls have to do with the drama okay. that's happening between the characters feels a bit um, less intense. Sure. You know, there, it's not that it's badly written. It's not that it's badly acted. It's just that the the way that they clash, it's almost like they, they bounce off each other. Like they'll hit and there'll be a bad thing and then they move on. And then gotcha. they hit and there'll be a bad thing and they move on. It never feels like they really get like into... There's one moment where they start really getting into a good back and forth with Jason Bateman and his wife and they're talking about all the stuff that's happened and that was like a good fight and there's sometimes things like that do happen but for the most part it's kind of like boom and then move on unless they have a big action thing okay. they need to accomplish just some crazy death you know somebody's going to get shot yeah. so so it got a little bit stale of sorts um, but it was always very I, I would say it still managed to stay interesting all the way through the action was really intense okay. uh, really suspenseful at times as far as like you know who the heck is going to get killed off here yeah um, there were some elements that I wasn't as big a fan of, I think, well, no, I mean, there was like one or two things like action wise where I kind of felt a bit like they were just trying to manipulate you into feeling like, well, look how shocking this is. There's like a thing with a baby, okay, which felt very manipulative, the baby tw- twice. And then a thing with, um, a doc, okay. which I felt like was like, okay, that's a little over the top. Yeah. Like you're really just trying to do something here when you could just go and shoot them. Yeah. John so, Mike. yeah, but good action. Or good suspense, I should say, more so well acted by Jason Bateman. Cool. I am excited to kind of see. I mean, the stakes get bigger and bigger. Things get crazier and crazier. Um, they've left a few things open for sure to kind of move into with like the coming seasons. Um, it definitely, there was some directions I thought they were going to go in that they didn't for better at a lot of times and then for worse sometimes. But uh, I'm excited to move on. And I Sweet. would give overall uh, season one, I'd probably give it a B minus. All right. Um, just because, like I said, it did tend to drag a little bit. I gotcha. It's all good. So, yeah. Cool. Well, it's good to hear. I, I actually still want to check that out. So when I get a little spare time, I can, uh, you know, spend a little. Yeah, time you won't with be. I, I know B mountain sounds kind of low, but it's kind of it, it's because there's moments where it goes up to like A. Yeah. And there's moments where it goes to like C. I gotcha. So yeah, I'm it's like kind of middle. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, yeah. No worries. Worthwhile. 
Um, so the next show, I don't really know a lot about this next one. <laughs> this and is I, more, you're, you're, uh, you're like giving me a little bit here to let me talk about this. And I don't really know much about it, but why don't you break down Rick and Morty for us? I, well, yeah, I can break it down. I'm not prepared to do like a full thorough. This is one of the craziest shows that I know of on okay. television right now. Um, it accomplishes a lot. It's, it's, so it's created by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon, um, voice acted by, mostly them there's a lot of other people uh well mostly not not dan uh justin roiland does most of the voice acting but it's also got chris parnell it's got spencey grammar it's got sarah chalk um dan uh sorry justin does both rick and morty voices okay which is pretty crazy because they're like two polar extreme yeah. type voices um i got introduced to this because i was i was at a comic-con in a prior year and i saw a bunch of clips and i was like that is crazy looking i should just try and check this out and i'd heard a lot of good things yeah. but it's kind of an under it was it was for the most part, pretty underground hit, but it, like this most recent season has been like really, everybody's been super excited for I it. I like Dan Harmon. Yeah. Uh, from Community primarily. But. Right. And this, so this show, uh, I have a hard time explaining it. It's like, I don't know, it's it's deep and complex with its like sci-fi and philosophical ideas and narrative structure. I mean, there's episodes where literally it, it's like the timeline of the show gets split into multiple different timelines at the same time. And so you're watching like six different videos. That and happens that in community it. too. <laughs> right. I know, but it's, it, it like, it goes to extremes with yeah. like that type of stuff. There's an inception type episode where they're like incepting themselves into dream inception. So they're nice. like going like eight levels deep and <laughs> it's just really crazy. It's definitely a very crude show. Yeah. It's not for kids. It's Animated. not for child audiences. It's, it's yeah, it's an adult, it's adult swim. It's on adult yeah. swim. It's on Cartoon Network. So it's very much an adult show. Um, there's like, I mean, there's some crazy, I'm trying to think of some other ones. There's an episode that takes place all inside of a guy's body. One of them, you know, Rick creates this theme park in a guy's body <laughs> and he miniaturized a bunch of people and stuff and stuck them in there. And there's an episode that takes place. Um, it, it's like entirely, uh, well, I, it's, I don't want to spoil too much for a lot of these okay, things. Yeah, sure, sure. Part of the novelty of it is, is experiencing the episodes the first time and yeah. understanding what it's about. But there's like an episode where, there's this alien creature that's able to create um, like images of itself or like creatures, creations of itself oh, okay. and they multiply, but they get stuck in your brain and they make you think that they're real, but they're not real. And so they have to like try and fight them off, but they don't know if they're real or not because it implants memories of them being real in their head <laughs> and they have to figure out which ones are not real and which ones are real and then kill the ones that aren't real. And so it's just like... Yeah. It's really crazy, and it just goes off the wall. I mean, it's like Simpsons, but deeper, more complex, and and darker. Yeah, um, in a lot of ways. Interesting. So it's a lot of fun. Um, again, definitely an adult show. I like it because it makes me think okay. <laughs> more than just. It has some pretty crazy humor and Not crazy just stuff. Entertainment. Yeah, and the story. The story is ongoing. Yeah, and it builds off of things, and crazy things happen. Like the season opener for season three this year was insanity. I mean, it's just like one of the most crazy things. And Rick is like this. It's almost in a weird way. It's like uh, Michael J. Fox and Doc. Okay. But yeah. like a much darker version of that. And Rick is like a very, he's sociopathic, but he's also in a way narcissistic, but he's also super intelligent. And Morty plays this like really nervous. Like, oh, I, don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. And he plays a very nervous kind of twitchy kid, yeah. um, you know, very low self-esteem that gets pulled in by Rick into a lot of these like misadventures, but his life gets put on the line and very painful experiences. And it's just got a really silly at times, very dark at times, but very complex, deep narrative that I like. Because it it would be one thing if the show just had non-connected episodes, but the fact that each episode kind of builds on each on each other and things stick with you and they move on and characters die and they don't come back to life or they jump to an alternate universe and pull in a character from another universe or something like that. Yeah. Um, that it, it it makes it interesting and compelling. Um, so the first season, season three, just premiered. They did a spoof idea where they, because everybody was like, where's season three? Where's season three? So they actually premiered the first episode of season three on April Fool's. And a lot of people thought that it was a joke, but it actually was the real episode oh, of nice. season three. And then the most, uh, they started up like the full run. They're going to be happening, I believe, every, they release them once a week okay. going forward for a while. And so they just did season three, episode two. I didn't like season three, episode two as much, which was a bit sad to me. <laughs> I felt a little bit 
forced at times. Okay. Um, a little bit less in your face and interesting. Um, felt very, it was all about they're doing a spoof off of Mad Max. Kind of uh. they go into like a Mad Max universe because uh, Rick has this gun. He can jump into different universes. And so a lot of the adventures are them going to different universes. And so there's this divorce happening between some of the characters. And so they're trying to get away from that. And so they go into this Mad Max universe and there, a lot of them are working out their issues in the universe and it just didn't it, it didn't feel very vis, like as funny to me uh in a way so um yeah so i'm gonna talk about it i think briefly on the coming tube talks maybe we'll, okay. we'll talk yeah, about that cool. and kind of figure out what we want to do if we want to keep talking about keep it us up to date on um, it um but yeah i like it i'm gonna Sweet. keep watching it definitely check it out if you want a fun ridiculous over the top <laughs> awful at times but funny cartoon i gotcha i gotcha yep Cool. Well, hey, no, it's good to hear. Um, definitely want to try and uh, actually, if you guys check out any of those things, if you like those shows, if you want to tell us about them, tell your thoughts about them, maybe don't like them, just let us know. Shoot yeah. us an email. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. going to actually wrap up our Tube Talk what? segment no. and our show as a whole. Say it ain't so, man. But um, yeah, just so you can remember, uh, find us on all of the inter connected social media webs universe um which would be instagram and twitter at real review media and then also facebook.com slash real review media and then also find our website realreviewmedia.com and email us at realreviewmedia at gmail.com and uh let us know what's going on let us know if there's a show that you want us to check out let us know if there's a movie you want us to watch let us know if you've seen all the movies in the world you want to tell us how awesome you think all of them are or how awesome i would want to talk to that are. person yeah that would be an incredible accomplishment it would be an incredible accomplishment. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I don't think it could happen. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it could happen. But anyways, so uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to add, Joel? I think I'm good. I'm awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been real. It's been real.